0: and I'm so happy that you can join me today on Exactly Podcast. Today, it's another very special episode. I'm interviewing another person I followed on social media for years and has been quite formative in my experience. Like, this is the person you go to if you're a baby gay who's just come out and you don't have any queer friends in your life. You go to none other than the, the Hot Mesbian. I can't wait to talk to her today. But if you're new here, let me introduce you to my podcast Exactly. Exactly is a permission slip that I've given to myself and to anyone listening to just follow our curiosity and ask the simple, the hard, the tough, the ugly, the sexy questions. Just want to get into it all, really, with anyone who wants to be here and anyone who wants to listen. But the heart of everything I do, is all about bringing together women and queer people and anyone who wants to join me along on the way. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg.
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: So today, I'm going to be chatting to the incredible Cheyenne. She goes by the online moniker at Hot She's incredible. She's someone who's been so formative in my understanding of myself in a funny way, in a serious way, in a way that kind of dark humor creeps into a lot of the stuff that they talk about because they make memes, internet memes. I feel like when we talk about people who make memes, it sounds like this reductive thing, but what she's doing and has always done is brought queer women together through shared experiences, through advice, through community. So I am obsessed with any kind of queer representation, wherever that comes from. I will take it in the form of memes, in the form of books, poetry, shared experiences from friends. I love it all and Hot Mespian is probably one of my favourite Instagram accounts. I can't wait to talk to her today and I hope you enjoy this episode. I basically want this to be a bit of an intro for anyone who's just came out in the queer scene or maybe has been out for a while but is getting back out into the dating scene. I definitely wanted a guide to everything to do with being queer, whether it was sex, dating, how to flirt, the nuances of queer relationships that no one really talks about. So I would love for this episode to be something like that for you today. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm amazing. Before I want to get into the main part of the interview, I'm going to ask you my quick five questions that I ask all of my guests. Just say the very first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. Question number one. What's one thing that sets your soul on fire? Mm, Art. Okay. Any particular kind of Art. Um, I really love like textile art, but all all art installations. All art's great. So on to the next question. What's the last photo you took on your phone? Ooh um, can't be a screenshot. I- I sent
1: my best friend a picture of the oatmeal I had for breakfast. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're both trying to keep each other accountable with, like, eating more regularly because we both tend to
0: get, like, involved in other activities and forget. So every time we eat, we're like, oh hey, I'm eating Oh, my God. Right now. Yeah. I love that. It reminds me. My, yeah. my friend has an alarm on her phone reminding her to drink water. Yeah. A similar kind of vibe. <laughs> yes, Okay. Definitely. The next question, what's something that people frequently misunderstand or get wrong about you? Ooh, um, people think I'm a lot
1: like bitchier than I am just because I have like a natural like resting bitch face and I'm kind of more reserved. And then like the moment you start talking to me, I like light up and I'm laughing and smiling. Uh, so when they first see me, they're like, oh, like I don't want to talk to her. And then as soon as they do, they're like, oh, okay, never I, yeah. mind.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think something like that can be a blessing and a curse depending mm. on the kind of person you are. So if you're more yeah. introverted I think it's kind of a gift to not be seen as approachable because then people mm-hmm. almost have to like earn that intimacy but then mm-hmm. sometimes it can close off the people through yeah. no fault of your own also yeah. it just happens right yes <laughs> okay on to the next question finish this sentence I'm still a work in progress when it comes to oh. Everything.
1: (laughs) Is that what the (laughs) answer you usually get for that? (laughs) I feel like, yeah, yeah. I just like, I'm constantly engaging with like self help books and um, podcasts and TikToks. Like, I am constantly trying to better myself. So, yeah, everything.
0: (laughs) Well, that kind of leads me on to the main part of the interview where I wanted to ask you about your meme account, Hot Mespian. Yeah. It's, oh my (laughs) God. Fucking God, my little baby gay self is dying Uh that I'm even talking to you right now because I was so obsessed with hot, I still am so obsessed with hot mespian. Mm -hmm. In such a massive way when I came out, it was this big guide for me coming into my queerness because Mm. I didn't have anyone that had so much experience in being queer. All of my (laughs) friends were just figuring it out along the way. (laughs) And so when we saw all of your memes, we were just sharing them them to each other. Like when Mm. we'd go on a date with a woman, I'd see a meme the next fucking morning describing in detail the the situation I just had with the woman I met. And, <laughs> That's and it's wild. so amazing. It's so good. I love it yeah. so much. So I wanted to ask you, is anything, you said you like reading self-help books and you're, you're on a healing mm. journey. Has making memes helped you in that way and sharing them with a the community of, of lesbians and queer women?
1: I think a little bit, just because it has opened me to alternate points of view and like perspectives and experiences I haven't had, but also it has like reaffirmed like what you said, uh, that we've all kind of had these like very similar experiences yeah. um, and like so many people like I'll like make the most niche meme and I'm like everyone's gonna think <laughs> I'm weird for this. Everyone's gonna judge me and then a million people, will be, not, not a million, but a lot of people will be like oh my god like me too and I'm like
0: wow I'm not a freak. <laughs> what, what what does that feel mm-hmm. like also tapping into your own experiences and then putting them online? Does it ever still feel really uncomfortable? Because I, I imagine that it was at some point so frightening to do it for the mm-hmm. first time. Yeah, I feel like it was a little bit easier
1: in the beginning, Okay. Um, hence the name hot mess being because when I was a bit more of a hot mess, because I had engaged with less self help and less therapy okay. and all of that stuff. Um. So I was more of a mess, but also it was anonymous. So I could just kind of put it out there. Um, and now my face is kind of like, I'm, it's not super well known that I'm who runs it. But like, most of the queer people in my city know, yeah. Like a lot of people do associate my face yeah. with the page. So I can't be as messy as I used to be on there um, because, you know, there are ties to me and people can kind of figure out who, what X I'm referring oh to if God. I make a certain name. Yes. So I kind of have to be like stricter with myself around what I post. And also I think you probably experience this, like the higher your follower count goes, the more you have people who are either intentionally or unintentionally like kind of misreading mm. what you are putting out there yeah. and just like approaching it from their own perspective, which might not align with your perspective. And things get, like, mixed up along the way just because, like, we're missing, like, a lot of different, like, contexts and, like, voice and stuff uh, on the internet. Uh, So, like, I definitely have a lot more critiques of my work now uh, than i did in the
0: beginning yeah, yeah. so it's like a double-edged sword i think there's so many things i want to touch on there i, I feel like that the thing that you're saying about all of the critiques that come when you become successful um mm-hmm. it's part of the territory and i really didn't fucking want it to be i thought surely yeah. i can escape that <laughs> surely i can bypass that <laughs> if i'm doing something good that people enjoy surely you're going to escape all of that crap and you don't and i think it hurts a lot more when it yeah. comes from people within your community as well But I really relate. To what you were saying about um, th- the bigger you become also and the more that your face is attached to something the less able you are to pull from your own experiences and this is something that I've mm-hmm. experienced mm-hmm. Over, the, over the few years as well when I was making my artwork and putting it online is I could be so open with my experiences because it was just this outpouring and now my experiences mm-hmm. are almost this thing that people want to gossip about it's not even about the art people just want to know what the fuck's going on in my life and so that yeah. then becomes a thing where it's like no but I just I feel like I would make much better and more raw, honest artwork if my name wasn't attached to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly
1: how I feel with things. And yeah, it's like, it's hard because I feel like I'm at a point where I don't even want to post sometimes because I get so in my head about the ways that this post could be taken negatively or like the way that it could like it could be like (laughs) my cat's so cute and people will be like well my cat's cuter and also like you're a horrible cat mother you know what I mean like
0: people just like look at it and like want to fight and like I have had to block yeah. people obviously a lot of the times people don't have the best intentions and some people just like to feel some kind of semblance yeah. of power but i think wh- wh- whenever we speak about <laughs> this stuff online yeah. when it comes to uh, queer experiences we're always going to be from me i've only ever spoke about my myself my little lot of experiences um as a bisexual cisgender white woman But, you know, I don't label it with that. I say, this is my experience and I'll talk about it, whatever. But that's my perspective. That's where I come from, whatever. But what happens is, is if people see you talking about your experience as a queer person, people think that you think you're speaking for everyone. And that's just Mm -hmm. not not the case. And I think that then people say, but this isn't true for me. And it's like, no, of course it isn't. It's true for me. I never said that I was speaking for everyone. (laughs) I wanted to ask you about the name Hot Mespian, how you created the account, what led you to making memes and posting them online? What was it? I started the account at like the end of 2018. So it was a while ago. And honestly, I don't remember how I
1: came up with the name other than me being a lesbian and me being a bit of a hot yes. mess. I will probably always be a little bit of a hot, being, <laughs> um, and a hot mess in general. But like going to therapy and like doing the work being doesn't have the same <laughs> ring to it. So I guess I'll Doing probably just bien. stick with hot mess bien.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't have, it's not like as catchy. No, I love it. I love it. That should be yeah. like your sub page for when people have gone through that era. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel
1: like I am definitely helping people work through their hot mess phases of their lives <laughs> like how healing isn't linear I feel like being a hot mess and like getting out of being a hot mess isn't necessarily linear yeah. either like we're all you know reverting back to our hot mess phases um but I actually have a podcast of my own called sapphic survival guide and we're like giving queer I advice know, yeah I, I feel and I'm like yes. I literally go by the name hot and how am I qualified to give queer people <laughs> advice like I don't know if I'm who I would want to be taking advice from but my one co-host said that they would like take advice from me so I was
0: like okay that's the thing though about these um, self-appointed personal branding whatever you do it when Mm -hmm. you're at a certain stage and then it takes (laughs) off and does really well and you're like I'm not this person anymore honestly it's part of the reason why I dyed my hair pink I was like, wait, I'm not even the same floss that I started with my career going out into doing all the stuff I was talking about. Even when it came to, I basically started posting most of my content online or like posting more online when I came out of a four-year relationship with a man four years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's also when I came out um, which was end of 2018, same time you started your meme account.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, wow. I know, perfect
0: timing, divine timing. And then I stumbled yeah. across your account. A girl I was dating showed mm-hmm. it to me, sent me a meme, and I was like, this is amazing. It's actually one of my questions was going to be, are you still a hot yeah. messian? Because I also know that you're in a <laughs> wonderful, gorgeous relationship now, aren't you? Oh, I yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm very happy. I was actually in my first queer relationship when I started the account, um, but this one is, I would say, my first, like, healthy relationship and healthy queer relationship okay. in general. Um, but, yeah, so I have transcended a lot of my old hot mess ways. Yeah, have,
0: have you found <laughs> yeah. that um, being in this relationship also has made you want to be more private online or spend less time online or any of that stuff?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Like, I... <laughs>
1: Uh, have this running joke where I call my girlfriend Joey King because she kind of looks like Joey King. She just dyed her hair dark and gave herself bangs so now she kind of looks like Zoe Deschanel. Um, but I'll tag different celebrities that she's told she looks like in our Instagram photos. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend's very private. Like she will maybe update her profile picture once a year. Doesn't really post on social media. Perfect. But she does not want that kind of attention. So yeah.
0: I, I'll i tag Zoe Deschanel from now on. How, how do you maintain boundaries when it comes to wanting to create artwork? I'm literally asking this for myself also Mm. because it's something I'm wrestling with. How do you maintain uh, boundaries with your art um, and sharing parts of your life to make really great art but then not sharing too much and oversharing? Like, where is the line as a meme artist also? (laughs) Yeah, that's the difficult part
1: because, you know, people enjoy the raunchier memes and the (laughs) dirty memes. And yeah, so I kind of have to ask my girlfriend what she's comfortable with me sharing and what she's not. And same with, like, past relationships that I've been in. Um, Because, you know, some people are comfortable with things that other people aren't. Um, But, like, I was in a not-so-healthy relationship in the past, and there were so many moments that would have been, like, memeable but I was like, I don't want people to know that I'm, like, being cheated on all the time yeah. or, like, treated like shit. Like, I was like, and then keep going back to this person because I'm weak, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I was like, I... This this is not like fun content to make right now. Yeah. Like I could maybe look back at it and laugh at it now. Um, but in the moment I was like, I I could make a meme about this, I'm sure it's very relatable but also I don't want people knowing this stuff Mm -hmm. is going on right now and so I like wish I had written those things down so I could make them now Uh, (laughs) but I
0: definitely didn't think about doing that. My general rule of thumb with it is that if I'm not healed from it I can't talk about it yet because Mm -hmm. then people can put their own stuff onto something that is so sensitive it might even still be happening for me. So one thing I want to ask you is if I said at the beginning in the intro before you came on that I want this episode Mm -hmm. to be a bit of a guide to anyone who's just came out, uh, to any baby gays listening. I feel like a lot of my audience Mm -hmm. are queer or queer questioning women, women who have realized that... Uh, they might be queer. They might be non-binary. They're questioning their sexual mm-hmm. identity. So if you had any tips for a woman who's just come out, she's not been on a mm-hmm. single date with a woman, what tips from your experience would you give her?
1: Um, I feel like my biggest tip is to just, like, shoot your shot. I feel like that's where a lot of uh, women get hung up, is that they're like, OK, I don't know if she's flirting with me. I don't know if she wants to go to dinner with me as a friend, I don't know if she's queer. <laughs> and I feel like the best thing you can do is just be like, hey, I'd love to take you on a date and... Um just like see what they have to say. If they say no, say, okay, cool. Well, I'd still love to hang out with you as a friend. Like, I think you're really great. It's okay if it's not in a romantic context or sexual context or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of people are very scared of like the rejection and like, once you've been rejected enough times, it still sucks, but like, it's not as scary as it was previously. And I think like, it's good to, be specific about what your intentions are and where you would like to see things go and not just say like, okay, let's hang out. Um, Let them know that you want it to be a date um, and let them know that even if they're not interested, like you're still down to be friends. You still think they're great. And even (laughs) even if you don't really want to be their friend after that, Like, at least it was, like, a nice gesture. Uh, You don't necessarily have to follow through with hanging out if neither of you are interested. I've I've
0: had to be the only, probably the only situation where I've not wanted to be friends with a woman after I've dated her. It's not because Mm -hmm. I didn't like it, it's because I liked her too much. So if I liked her too much, there's no way in hell I could be fucking your, I I can never be your friend if we've Mm -hmm. gone from this super incredible intimate experience to then just pretending that we can be friends because we're of the same gender. And I I think I've done that a lot of the times also. All of the stereotypes about, oh, lesbians and queer women just all being friends with their exes and that kind of stuff. I I, I kind of (laughs) took on that stereotype. It's like, oh, this is okay because we're gay and this is what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, But actually, there have been many times where I've stuck around or kept girls in a friendship group or kept kept hanging out with someone when I couldn't continue to be friends with them because there were still feelings there or ended awkwardly or whatever. So also to anyone who's Mm -hmm. newly come out, you also don't have to be friends with someone And feel that it should be okay because you're women and this is just all fine Mm -hmm. and whatever. Sometimes keeping someone in your life as your friend is just like another way to keep them around by avoiding some kind of closure with the friendship as well. Mm -hmm. And My number one thing is always to just say, go slow and not slow in the sense that it's painstakingly long and you wait forever to do things, but don't feel like you need to rush into something just because you feel that there's scarce options for queer women. So when Mm -hmm. I first came out also, I live in London and I have swiped to the end of every dating app every single Mm -hmm. time. And it's like, I live in London, like it's a massive city. And And same with my friends now who are single. It's like there's so few options for queer women to meet other queer women. And I was listening to your podcast also. We said it's like a circle where it just mm-hmm. gets smaller and smaller. So there's <laughs> gay women, and then there's gay mm-hmm. women in your area, which gets, makes a smaller circle smaller. And then there's gay women yeah. in the same kind of like age group, or gay women in the same interest, gay women you like back, gay women who like you back. And then it's mm-hmm. just tiny. And then you have a pool yeah. of about <laughs> 10 lesbians in your area, if you're lucky. And if some lucky, of them yes. have dated or each other. And it's just smaller mm-hmm. and smaller and smaller. But I think that with that, if if you're in that situation and you feel like your options are scarce, that does also not mean tolerating shitty treatment from women where they are Mm -hmm. just breadcrumbing you. They're keeping you tagged along. They're not treating you in the way that you deserve. You feel like there's something missing, but you can't quite put your finger on it. You don't know why it is. You still deserve amazing treatment. And the, the, the last thing that I would want someone to do is do what I've done in the past, which is kind of settle for situations because of that scarcity of yeah. queer women there are plenty of queer women out there you can find queer women online you can go to other places but it's it's better to not immediately just go for something even if it's bad for you just for the sake of mm-hmm. experience but that doesn't also it's that thing when you speak about it from hindsight where it's like but you're probably yeah. still going to do it, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. But it's
1: like, I've definitely settled in the past too. And it's like, that person didn't deserve to be settled for. That's really unfair to the person I was settling for, right. or people I was settling for. But it's also unfair to myself to think that I don't deserve exactly what I want. Like, I feel like before I got in a relationship with my current partner, I told myself, like, you're not going to settle for anything less than you deserve mm-hmm. again, just because you live in a small city and you swipe through all of the Tinder and all of the dating op- options and and... <laughs> 15 minutes. Yes. Like, it's 15 minutes and then they're gone. Yes. Um, so, like, I was like, you're not settling. And then that's when I found someone who is, like, perfect for me. And this is her first relationship with a woman. And that, it was her first time on an app. She was on, like, an app that barely anyone here uses. Oh, wow. Like, it was just so, like, yeah, like, I struck a gold mine with that one. And she feels the same way. So, oh. yeah, like, I told myself, like, no more settling. You can't go into a relationship wanting to change someone or hoping that they will change down the line because that's just going to end up in disappointment for both of you when that doesn't happen. Yeah,
0: so, I think it's so true also know. what you said about just making a fucking move because so mm-hmm. so often, well actually most of the questions that come through are how the fuck do I flirt with a woman? How do I yeah. approach a woman in a bar without being creepy? And what, what do you yeah. think about the, the, this this predatory queer woman stereotype? Do you know where it comes from or why we feel it mm-hmm. or do you have any theories about it? Because it pisses me off. Yeah.
1: I don't know where it comes from necessarily, but I think probably a lot of it is just rooted in homophobia and lesbophobia, and I think there used to be, like, a very big stereotype in, like, the media, like, in movies where uh, lesbians were, like, stalkers and murderers and just, like, these very scary predatory uh, archetypes, and, of course, that's not true for... majority of lesbians like I'm sure that there are some lesbians that do fall under that category but yeah I think it is just like a stereotype
0: that's perpetuated. So yeah those kind of stereotypes (laughs) piss me off but it's also why I love your work so much because seeing all of these ways that women are just being adored by other women like I love seeing Mm -hmm. things on TikTok just seeing lesbians and queer women in sapphic relationships just being in love and with no chaos no drama none of the stuff on TV which we love to watch we do love to watch it sometimes but seeing just seeing women being in love The reason I love your memes is because they allow me to laugh at myself. They allow me to laugh mm-hmm. at my experiences. And also some of some of the terminology that you use in your memes also, I feel like a lot of that terminology is mostly used online. Do you feel that sometimes labels within the queer community can be limiting in terms of like femme, butch, top, bottom? Or do you just think, do you mm-hmm. kind of take them as this like lighthearted thing that just helps us understand each other better?
1: Yeah, I think... There's no, like, right or wrong answer there. I do think that they can be limiting, but at the same time, they can be connecting. And, like, describing myself as a lesbian or a femme lesbian or now I more identify as a switch than a top, like, those just help me find people with similar experiences Mm. to me. Um, But, like, I don't necessarily think I will always define myself as, like I said, like a top. I have since switched over to <laughs> being a switch. So like, you you know, like they are not restricting to me, but I can see how they may be to other people. Not all labels necessarily apply to me. Like I would, I wouldn't consider myself a femme necessarily but like I feel like when other people look at me that's what yes. they see um, yeah I feel the so same so like yeah it's just uh I guess easier to define myself that way and I'm not like against using that word just like I use like she they pronouns and yeah. I'm not against she her and I'm not pro they them for myself but I'm just like cool with whatever just not he him yeah <laughs> um so like I'm not like super attached to these labels but I'm
0: also not against them. And I think people have different relationships with these things. So it varies. I think it's a really nice place Mm -hmm. to be with it because I think to anyone listening who's just come out, I remember when I first came out, I was like, "Okay, now I need to know exactly Mm -hmm. what I am, who I am. And then I felt this other pressure to just know everything and know everything about who I was whether I was a top or a Mm -hmm. bottom or a switch or this or that or do I need literally one of my first thoughts was like do I need to use all of these sex toys like Mm -hmm. what do I need to do how do I be a good queer woman how do I do all of this stuff correctly the beauty of being queer is that you don't have to stick to a script also because you don't have to find out exactly what kind of queer you are because most of the people that come to me are worried about um, being Bad at being queer, but also it's like you're. When it comes to gay sex, something that I find mm-hmm. really fascinating and, and liberating that I learned was that every single body mm-hmm. is different. So you're not going to know what the person likes yeah. anyway. You're gonna you're gonna learn stuff along the way with each person that you sleep with, and there's going to be techniques and skills and stuff that you pick along the way. But every single person has different mm-hmm. preferences anyway. So you're always still going to have to ask, "How do you like to be mm-hmm. fucked?" And I think that that was, that was such a liberating thing for me as well. It was like, oh, but everyone's different anyway. So there's never going to be one way that yeah. everyone likes it. And I think that that was one of the scariest things about coming out was like, oh my God, how do you do mm-hmm. the sex? And that's what most of the people come in. Asking me as well. Yeah, I think I get a lot of questions like that as well. And I say kind of the same thing.
1: Communication, I think, makes you the best sexual partner uh, beyond any of the other stuff, just because, you know, everyone is very different. And we tend to like think like, okay I have to know how to scissor. I have to know how to like go down like I have to know how to do x y and z and it's like everyone's body parts are different and what they like is different so you just kind of have to figure it out with each different sexual partner it's easier said than done to be like just don't worry just like approach it when you get there but I think as long as you're going into the situation with someone who knows that you're trying your best and wanting to please them and hopefully wanting to please you too I don't think you can really go wrong there
0: yeah, the scissoring thing also is just such like a it's such it's such mm-hmm. a debate online. Like, feel like everyone, or, lesbians, always debate scissoring mm-hmm. about whether it was invented, and then you kind of come around. You're like, actually, it can be fun. It mm-hmm. can be really nice if you find the right spot, which yeah. can take so fucking long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I definitely was. Uh anti-scissor until recently and now I've seen the light but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Seen light. So that's, that's how you know it
1: like depends on you know your partner's body or your and your body and positioning and stamina
0: and flexibility and everything so exactly yeah. exactly and also another um I I was with someone recently who is actually they're bisexual but they didn't know about this time I was talking with a friend about you mm-hmm. hauling Can we talk about U-Hauling for anyone that doesn't know what U-Hauling is? Yeah. So U-Hauling is the
1: tendency of queer women and specifically uh, it's associated with lesbians bringing the U-Haul to the second date because that's how quickly we move in together and how quickly we, uh, you know, start to coexist. And honestly, I have never U-Hauled until recently either. So a lot of firsts this year, um, even though I came out (laughs) <laughs> like at least five years ago now um
0: congratulations <laughs> thank you. On your
1: first thank year you ball. yeah it's uh I thought I would be a lot more scared than this because like in past relationships where I have waited longer it was still very scary but
0: this feels like Right. So, have you u hauled before? Um, no, no, yeah. no. Very, very close mm-hmm. to it, though. Very close. Yeah. yeah. I um, I've de- I've definitely felt the kind of dating stage being sped up. Yeah. As well, I feel like it's a matched vulnerability that perhaps people in straight relationships don't get, where you're you don't have to put up those walls or those barriers of playing it as cool. There's just less pretending yeah. perhaps about wanting that kind yeah. of stuff I don't yeah. know I've definitely
1: been with like avoidant partners who uh there was more of like the game playing and the playing it cool and like less of the vulnerability mm-hmm. and even they wanted to move mm-hmm. in with me very quickly and I was like this is not oh, healthy wow. I don't want to move in with you <laughs> but like with my current partner we are both like very anxiously attached and so we're like we're also both cancers uh we are born two days apart so we're just very <laughs> like vulnerable and like emotional I'm a bit more more emotional than she is but yeah so we like are very um authentic and like open with each other and trying to have like Mm -hmm. the best possible connection my girlfriend and I were actually talking about getting engaged probably around the six month mark I mean we're not engaged yet exactly yeah we moved in together like two months in (laughs) I just told my therapist like eight months later that we moved in together uh because I was afraid to tell her oh
0: wow Uh, oh (laughs) my god I really want to do some kind of research on like why it happens with yeah. queer women why it happens in sapphic relationships because yeah. I just think it's also just the most beautiful phenomenon because it comes so mm-hmm. naturally the urge mm-hmm. to merge um, like if you're really into someone it's just you're like I want to be I want to be inside your <laughs> yeah. skin like I literally just want I cannot get close yeah. enough to yeah. You. <laughs> yeah no I
1: tell my girlfriend that all the time but like
0: I wish I could just like climb yeah. inside of her <laughs> Okay, so um, I want to move on to the listener questions okay. now. We have some from my audience. Could you give me a hand answering yeah. them? Yeah, okay. So question number one. Oh, oh, this is what we were just talking about. How come queer relationships move so much quicker than heterosexual relationships? <laughs> well, we don't have the answers to that one. I definitely need to do some research. Yeah. Research, But yeah, I definitely think it's to do with the all of the vulnerability mm-hmm. and... I really don't know because it just comes so naturally to me. Yeah, I
1: feel like vulnerability just, like, makes you feel closer to a person in general. So if you have two people being extremely vulnerable, obviously it's going to move things along faster. And then I feel like I've heard something about how um, people who were assigned female at birth, their bodies make more oxytocin during sex or something. I could be wrong about this. I'm not a scientist. Okay. But that's like kind of like a bonding hormone. <laughs> so if it's two people who with X chromosomes having sex then there's gonna be more bonding going on and things moving faster. But I could I could be wrong about that. Yeah,
0: I really, I really wanna do some research <laughs> on it. This is the other thing. It's not mm-hmm. just the u hauling, it's the dates last mm-hmm. so long. I spoke to a friend recently who dates men and she was like, Yeah, we went for a date. It was like, you know, like only a couple hours. And I was like, A yeah. oh, couple <laughs> hours? Wow, oh my God. Like almost Every single date, unless it was a bad Mm -hmm. date, to be honest, would go into, like, the next day, and then it's, like, just they just kind of roll on and on and on and on. And I wonder if some
1: of it is just because we don't have those, like, heteronormative gender roles of, like, okay, you go for a short little date, you can't spend too much time together, that looks weird, you have to wait till he calls you after a few days, like, you can't show too much interest too fast, like, we don't have those same um stereotypes i think i mean i do think some people carry them over a little bit um but i think for the most part we're just kind of playing things with our own rules so then we don't have like these six month talking periods because of it
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's it's like less cool girl Mm -hmm. shit i feel like sometimes it just takes one person to be like so do you want to spend another night and then the other person's like (laughs) yes "Yes." exactly (laughs) (laughs) okay okay on to the next question do you have any tips for my first date with a woman Mm. I'm so excited have the best fucking time have the best time have the time of your life that's your only instruction (laughs) and it's also it's not that different in terms of how you have to show up unless you've definitely lived by all the heterosexual script rules you had a religious mm-hmm. background I'm sure that, that there are so many ways that culture can shift and shape how you might have been on dates with men before unless it's been really drastic just kind of don't treat it any differently in terms of how you need to show up you just need to yeah, be yourself I agree
1: and I have less serious advice but uh Find out your big three beforehand so you don't have to text your parent and ask what time you're born in the middle of the day and wait for them to respond. Um, And maybe the person you're going out with doesn't like astrology and you don't either. But if you know a little bit about astrology, you can kind of impress them with that and be like, let me tell you all about yourself because people love to hear about themselves. So,
0: uh, yeah. Yes, I... I didn't do that. So I didn't do that on my first day with a woman. She did ask me for my big three and I did have to text my mum. And then my mum like texted me my birth certificate a week later. And then by that time the girl had ghosted me. So it was pointless. Yeah, she's gone. (laughs) For fuck's
1: sake. (laughs) Ooh, I, I have something good to add on to that. I feel like a lot of people when they're inexperienced, they say it in a way that they're like wanting to experiment or just like kind of using you to get that experience and I feel like a lot of people are turned off yeah. by that but like my girlfriend I was the first woman she'd ever kissed romantically even and when she told yeah. me she was like this is something I've always wanted to do and she never made me feel like I was like an experiment to her or just something she was testing out mm. and I think a lot pe- a lot of people would get a lot further with that if they approached it that way instead of being mm. like I'm just curious about what it's like to be with a woman yeah because that's gonna like turn a lot of people off but if you want that experience you're gonna have to approach it a little bit differently so I think that's a good
0: thing but also there is honesty required mm-hmm. in that so if you are looking to experiment and you don't want to break yeah. a girl's heart who's looking for something more be honest about the experimentation right. and yes you just gonna have to kind of accept that a lot of people might not be mm-hmm. on board with that but then it will allow the people who maybe just who do just want to Be your first time or have some casual (laughs) sex. Uh, It'll it'll allow those people to come through. Okay, Okay. on to the next question. How to tell if a girl is flirting or being friendly? I'm so new to this and I have no idea. Okay, I saw this tip on TikTok recently. Like I said, I'm very um,
1: obvious when I'm interested in someone. I'm just like hey let's go on a date like not really beating around the bush as much um but I saw someone say to be like oh my god are you flirting with me and then if they're like no you're like oh okay like just like kind of brush it off and if they like are flirting back then you like no yeah. um so you can kind of like say that to someone so to literally yes. ask yeah but in like a flirty
0: way to literally just yeah yes okay yes. It's so hard also because the way that women interact with each other at bars, Mm -hmm. at clubs, whether it's a queer bar or a straight bar, whatever, is so homoerotic. Mm -hmm. What what you would assume is a really flirty Mm -hmm. gesture is sometimes someone doesn't even know what they want, particularly with women. It can be really confusing. So sometimes, yeah, to just straight up ask, are you flirting with me? Yeah, I think one of my uh,
1: co-hosts on my podcast, Gina, I think she said to say something along the lines of oh, are you flirting with me or do you act this way with everyone? Like in kind of like a cheeky way. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. So that okay. could be like a more okay. fun I love scenario it. Yeah. like that where you're not
0: sure. <laughs> yes. Okay, gorgeous. Okay, on to the next question. How do I draw a line between a romantic relationship and friendship when meeting other women? I'm really struggling with this at the mm. moment. No one told me about the confusing nature of friendships with queer women like I I didn't know how confusing that would be when I was single Mm -hmm. and out like just you know I think that can be that can be a really t- tough and challenging one, particularly if you're having sleepovers yeah. with a friend and it it can become very close and intimate and you're both crossing mm-hmm. the lines, but no one's saying anything. Um, I think sometimes it it needs to be addressed in a soft and subtle, a bit like the yeah. are you flying with me thing. Yeah, like you kind of ha- have to
1: outright. I just talked about this actually because we had a homoerotic tension or homoerotic friendship episode come out on my podcast last week. And um
0: Oh my God, Yeah, perfect. Li- literally
1: perfect timing. But I was yeah. talking about how my best friend, who I've been best friends with since I was like 11, she recently came out as queer a few years ago as well. Um, and last year, she just kept saying things to me, and I was like, "Are you flirting with me? Do you have feelings for me? T- like, you can tell me. You can be open with me about it because I'm getting weird vibes here." And she was like, "No, I don't." But then yeah. it kept happening, and I was like, "Are you sure you don't have a crush <laughs> on me? Because you're telling me like." no woman will ever make me happy or be good enough for me. So like, what does that oh mean? Oh my God, I had someone say yeah, this to me I was me like, as what as does well. that mean? And she was like, I'm just like being your best friend. I'm just protective of you. And I was like, okay, I'm done asking. Like, I don't think you do. Like, you've told me no twice. I'm just going to take that at face value. And, <laughs> you know, because the first time, because sometimes, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like I will deny things the first time and then like tell the truth the second time. Someone asks me like, are you okay? Like at first I'll be yeah. like, I'm fine. And then when you've had time yeah. to think. So I was like, hey, do you have feelings for me no and then things were still going on I was like do you have feelings for me another no and I was like okay I I believe you now um and so I really do believe her but yeah it was like just weird vibes and I just kind of had to ask because I didn't want yeah it's like kind of hard and I think you do have to have that conversation once it gets to a certain point especially if you do want to keep their friendship and don't want it to get into this murky uncomfortable territory I don't
0: know. It's. Mm, heavy. I've, I've had no. I love that. Thanks <laughs> yeah. for showing that. I've had um, a situation before where um, it was it was mm-hmm. a friend, very confusing situation, and I had to ask for time out mm-hmm. from the friendship because of my feelings. And she was like, "Oh my god, I completely mm-hmm. understand." And then we reunited a couple years later, and she was like, "I can't believe how much wow. I led you on." So we both said our piece, and when I said all the stuff that she was doing, all the signs, yeah. all the this and the that that I that was making me confused, she was like. <laughs> She was completely flawed by even hearing it out loud, like embarrassed at the level of uh, her actions mm-hmm. going against her words. And she was like, oh, my goodness me. And we figured okay. out that uh, she did kind of know what she was doing because had her girlfriend walked mm-hmm. into the room, she would have immediately, yeah. you know, stopped cuddling <laughs> yeah. me or whatever. Um, and then I think it's, it's when you that was also a really good indicator for me was realizing that... Um, You know, if something is crossing a friendship barrier, if maybe someone else is in the room, they'd be acting completely differently. Yeah, that's amazing advice. (laughs) Yeah, that's my indication. Yeah. 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 Oh, I always love talking about being gay. I always love talking about dating women. I always love giving tips to anyone who's just come out because it's exactly the fucking content that I needed when I came out. It's also, it's why I wrote my book, Women Don't Be Pretty and Girl Crush because I want people to have access to this. Just honestly, just general chatter. This isn't even like information that comes from a psychology textbook. This is just two queer women chatting shit and relating to each other, which is the entire Instagram page of Hot Mespian, which Shayen started well, I think she said 2018, which is exactly the time when I came out. You need to go check out her Instagram account. It's hilarious. If you followed me on social media for a while, you know that I've just always been sharing her stuff on my Instagram stories. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much again to Cheyenne for joining me today. I had so much fun chatting to her. If you want to follow her on Instagram, you can follow her at at Hot Mesbian and listen to her podcast, The Suffolk Survival Guide, wherever you get your podcasts. If you've enjoyed listening, then please share this with your friends. To keep updated with all the latest episodes as and when they drop, you can follow exactly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I want to give a massive thank you to the formidable Black Honey, who composed the original theme music. You can find them on Instagram at, at BlackHoneyUK and check out their latest album, written and directed. This is a something else in Sony Music Entertainment production. My producer is Millie Charles. Assistant producer is Ella McLeod. Executive producer is Carly Mayle. The production coordinator is Lily Hambly. And I want to give a special thanks to Chris Skinner, Jonathan Imiri, Ryan O'Meara and Teddy Riley for additional production. And a big thanks to our engineers, Josh Gibbs and Gully Lawrence Tickle and mix engineer Jay Beale.